Well, how many of you would say that your prayer life could use a boost? Can I see your hands? You could use a boost. Yeah, I think we all sense that because none of us have arrived in our prayer walk with the Lord. I know that I haven't, but so I want to encourage you today to take a step forward and that you would receive a boost from God's word today as we look in Matthew number six, chapter six, and we go to verse seven, and I want us to look there because I have a passion in me today as I speak on this subject, as you know, it commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. So Matthew chapter six, verse seven, and it says this, so when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. He's saying, listen, it's not about saying a bunch of words that don't mean anything, are like the hypocrites that just pray and it's not, don't, don't babble like that. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. That's what it says. He says, do not be like them. Don't do that. For your father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't it interesting that our father in heaven already knows what we're going to ask for, but that should not keep us from praying. Amen. Some people have in their mind, well, if he already knows, then I'm not going to pray. No, 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 no. He says he already knows, but he still wants us to pray. And so he says this. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes on, give us today the food we need. Forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who have sinned against us. Don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. And then later on was added the doxology, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So I want to focus a little bit on this prayer today, more importantly, on a couple of words that stand out. Yes, this is about the Father in heaven, but it is also the underlying theme of the word kingdom. Can you say kingdom with me? Kingdom. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus tells his disciples and he starts to teach them how to pray, half of the prayer is honoring the Father and asking for the kingdom to come. Literally what he is saying is we want the kingdom that is in heaven to be displayed in our lives on the earth while we are here. This is the word kingdom, and here's what it means. It's a country, it's a state or territory ruled by a king or a queen, a realm associated with a particular person or thing, a spiritual authority of God. Heaven is where he abides and where the faithful go after death. This word is a term related to royal administration. So the concept that Jesus has as it relates to the kingdom of God is this, and this is the underlying theme. He is saying, I want you to pray, but I want you to have a context for your prayer. I want you to understand that you have a heavenly father and you and I are part of a kingdom. This is what he wants us to understand. There is a context always to your prayer. It's not ominous. It's not out there, but it is a context. So I'm going to talk today about seven keys to the Lord's prayer. As we look at this, as we look in Matthew chapter 6, the first one is connect with God relationally. Can you say relationally? Connect with God relationally. That's what he wants. Romans 8, 15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. How many of you know that our Father has not given us a fearful spirit, right? No, he has not. 
Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you and me as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Can you say Abba Father with me? Abba Father. That's what we call him. He says, this is what you do. You, you don't have to live in fear because I haven't given you a spirit of fear. Instead, you have received my spirit. I have adopted you into my family, and now you can call me Abba Father, Daddy God. God loves for us to call him Father. Establishing our intimate relationship with him is vital, and thanking him for the relationship that we have. Aren't you thankful that we have a relational God? How many are with me? Say Amen. Aren't you thankful? Because we realize this is about relationship. Listen, there is no relationship without communication, right? This is the two-way street. There's no relationship without communication with the Father. This is the two-way. This is not just one way, him to us, us to him, but it's a two-way conversation piece. Literally, he's saying, I'm conditionally you and also the disciples early on to understand the kingdom. That the most important thing on Jesus' mind, the most important thing is you look at the disciples' mind, the most important thing is the apostle John on his mind, the most important thing that Jesus came to do, are you ready for this? No, are you ready, second service? The most important thing that Jesus came to do on earth was not die for your sins. That may have messed some of your biblical understanding up. He had to deal with sin and die for sin, but the most important thing that he came to do was to put you and me back in right standing with his father. He came to the earth and said, I will do, Father, what you want me to do. He groaned it out in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, your desire over my desire, I will do anything that it takes. And the father said, there's a cross to bear so that my people can be back in right standing with me. And give us back the dominion that we lost in the Garden of Eden. How many of you know that we lost dominion in the Garden of Eden? What we lost in the Garden of Eden, the kingdom God gave us on earth, he said, I'm going to provide a context in Eden. He said, this is your territory. My home is up here. Your home is down there. And what I want you to do is I want you to bring what is up there down to here. Have dominion subdue, be fruitful, multiply. We lost that when sin came into humanity through Adam and Eve, our first parents, and Jesus comes back and says, what I want you to do is put, I wanna put you back in right standing with me so I am gonna tell my son to go to the cross and die so that you and I can regain the right relationship and the right dominion and authority that I've come to bring upon this earth. What we must understand is that you and I are citizens of another country. I don't know if you know that, but if you do know that, say yes. And because we are citizens of another country, we are ambassadors upon this earth on behalf of another country. So we proclaim in this country the kingdom of God, and we point people to another country, even though we're here, we're here, this is the context he's saying, but he's saying, I want you to point to my kingdom in heaven that, listen, you are citizens for just a little and a few moments of our life. That's why we are in this world, but we are not of it, the Bible says. That you and I have a temporary visa so that we can get people to his eternal kingdom. And it can be displayed, and people can touch it and taste it and feel it while they are still here through you and me and what we do while we have breath and life. We are not waiting to die to experience the kingdom. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
There are so many people living their life, they can read the context of Scripture and say, well, I'm only going to have that in heaven. No, no. He said, the kingdom, I want you to experience the kingdom while you are yet upon this earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you are with me? He says, I want you to establish that because he said, listen, you're going to enjoy that for eternity, but while you're on this earth, I want people to experience that kind of life. This is the mindset that Jesus is talking about. You want to learn how to pray? Don't babble. Don't just say mindless things. He says, no, in a kingdom you make a request, and that is what I want you to pray. The king grants it based on the rights you have as a citizen. You and I, as believers today, are citizens of heaven. So he says, I want to connect with you relationally. I I am your father, and I want to connect with you. Number two, worship his holy name. Hallowed be your name. Proverbs 18.10. God's name is a place of protection. How many of you are thankful that God's name is a place of protection? I don't know about you, but I am. Uh, Some of you that didn't raise your hands, you don't understand how God's watching over you today and right now. You don't understand the accidents he kept you from right on the way to church. Amen? He said, the righteous run there and be safe. The righteous run to it. He said, my name is a name of protection. What are his names? There are so many names of God, and I encourage you, like we've done before, is to know the names of God so that when you are in prayer, you can lift up God's name. How many of you know that as we come into his presence, even in our time of worship today, as we're singing praise together, that in there we are lifting up the names of God as well, that you're lifting his name up, that God, you are my righteousness through Jesus Christ, that you make me clean, and I have the righteousness of Jesus inside of me. How many of you are thankful for the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Amen? A sanctifier, God, thank you. Leviticus 20, 7 through 8, way back there, all the way into the New Testament. He has called me, and he has called you, and he has set us apart. He is my healer. He heals all my diseases. Exodus 15, 26, the banner of victory. He has defeated my enemy. Exodus 17, verse 15. He is my shepherd of Psalm 23. He speaks to me, and he leads me in peace. He is my peace in every storm. He is the provider because he says he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I'm just wondering when people are going to start blessing the Lord in the room because you can't just hear the names of God without blessing his holy name. Amen? I mean, come on. That's the type of explosion and prayer and, and worship that we should have. Amen? That we come and, and we are saying, God, I'm going to worship your holy name. That is you bringing heaven upon the earth that we live in, that we know things are not right down here on the earth, so we are called to bring heaven, and we are to call down heaven in our prayers, in our praise, and in our worship. Three, pray his agenda first. That's the third point. Pray his agenda first. Your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's amazing. Did you know that every prayer meeting in the Bible started with God and not with people's personal needs? I want to encourage you today, if you would look through the word and you would search the word of the Lord through prayer meetings, it did not start with people's personal needs. Those come later on. It's not to say they're not important. But many times we come into the presence of God to pray and we just bring me, me, me and my needs and that need and that need. When every prayer meeting in the Bible started with God and who he is and praying his agenda down, I will tell you, if you'll just start there, it will change the way that you pray. 
Because guess what? If you just come in and it's all about you, then you only have you to rely on. But when you come and you say the names of God, it puts something in your spirit where you pray in faith and you believe that he is going to do something powerful. Amen? Some of you look at me like, I'm not sure about this. All right, hang with me. That's what our prayer focus night is going to be. We're going to pray through Matthew chapter 6. That is our agenda for the evening. We are going to pray through that in that one hour, and we're going to pray God's agenda. We're going to pray his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Luke 12, 31 says, he will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. If. That is a big if. God, what are God's priorities? There are many of them. Well, it's first of all about his will over ours. What does it mean to seek the kingdom? Because sometimes we can get out there and say, well, I don't really know what, what am I praying about? The kingdom, the kingdom. And this is a vast, and we don't even have enough time to talk all about the kingdom and what it means. But the kingdom is wherever Christ's rule and reign is present. There are three arenas particularly that relate to his rule and his reign And I want you to look at this. Number one is evangelizing a lost world. There are lost people going to hell. That is an agenda of God because he sent his son to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus commanded us to go into all the world. He desires to take people from every tribe, tongue, people, nation. According to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, he delights in answering prayer that creates opportunities for him to draw lost people to himself. God delights in it. God loves lost people. Number two is building believers. If you're a believer in Christ today, the sound of my voice, that is another kingdom agenda. God's nature is to seek others' interests ahead of our own and his own, according to Philippians 2, 4 through 5. All the gifts of the Spirit are for building others up. God wants to build you up. God wants to build the church up. God's into building people of God up and to be encouraged in these days. And God will go to great lengths to make that happen. Number three, impacting society. Do you know that a kingdom agenda for God is impacting the society and the communities that you and I live in, starting right here in our church, starting in our homes, in our, in our, in our campuses, in our workplace, in your cubicle, wherever it is on the road as you travel, that God is calling us to impact this society? Psalm 72.4 reveals one of Jesus' function as a king is to give justice to the poor and the oppressed. Amen? That you and I are called to impact culture. That is a kingdom agenda of God. That is salt and light at its very basic form. That if the church is not impacting culture, they don't have a kingdom agenda. That we cannot be silent about the kingdom of God and what God wants to do and establish himself in and through us. We cannot be silent. This word kingdom is vast because in the New Testament, it's used 164 times in 156 verses. So there's a massive amount of talk about the kingdom in the New Testament. You know, this is maybe not like a foreign concept, like, you know, we never heard this before, but this is all that Jesus was talking about. He was coming to establish the kingdom of God, his Father, upon this earth, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. The apostle John starts off, and he says, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming, yeah, and and it's happening now. Oh, behold, the Son of the living God, the Lamb, 
who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not even worthy to unlatch this guy's shoestrings, John said. And Jesus comes and he starts this message and he starts exemplifying this in his own life. And, and, and the only people who are upset with him when they find out that Jesus is not from here is church people. The people that built the walls to the message of Jesus were people that were very knowledgeable about the word. No, 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 yeah, no, you're not, you're not come to do that. No, we're gonna block your attempts and your efforts to do this. And you look at the word of the Lord and it's truth and it hurts all of us many times, but it's church people that were upset with how, who Jesus is and he's trying to establish a kingdom. He was only coming to establish what God his father already told him to do. And those that were the most religious were so caught up with, you're not washing your hands right. You didn't do this right. You should have done this. You should have jumped higher. You should have come through this hoop. And they fell so in love with the law that they forgot God. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill the law. I have come to take care of that. But there is something greater than all these laws and rules and everything. He's trying to help them make their connection with the King of kings and Lord of lords. What does the word of God say? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be what? Added unto you. Anything that takes priority of the kingdom of God in our lives is a trap. It is a snare. I don't care if it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. It, let me tell you something. If you've made them more important than who God is, it is a trap today. It is the alignment of our priorities with the kingdom of God. It's alignment of our money, our house, our marriages, our relationships, whatever it is. That, listen, if you've put that above God, it will hurt you. It will take you out of this race. So listen, I'm gonna encourage you today to chase after God. And let me tell you something. If you chase after God, God will add a boyfriend and a girlfriend and a husband and a wife and a house and your physical needs and your tangible and your intangible if you will just make the kingdom your priority rather than your stuff, God's got you covered. Amen? Our thought processes many times on the kingdom is messed up. Because we have grown up in a democracy, we have a president, and we have a democracy, and the only thing we know about kingdoms is if you watch Prince Charming or whatever. I mean, you know, we're kind of messed up on this because we say, oh, it's Disney World. I mean, all I know about the kingdom is what is in California and what is Florida and other parts of the world that, you know, it's a small world after all. It's a small, small world. I filmed that with my kids going through on the boat. How many of you been there? Yeah, I've listened to that so many times, it makes me want to vomit now, okay? Okay, it's a small world. It's cute. But all we know about the kingdom is sometimes, oh, the magic kingdom. And we've displaced it as something mystical when God says, no, this is for real. This is what I want to do. This is my agenda. This is my agenda. This is God's agenda. And see, in the heavenly kingdom, uh, there, there is a kingdom, there is a country, kingdom of heaven, that is a country that we belong to. We, you and I are going to live there eternally later on. But listen, we have an embassy here. We're going to get that a little bit in a moment. But th this is not, I can't wait to die so that I can go to heaven. Th this is not that. This is while you and I have been given life and breath upon this earth, that we are called to establish the kingdom and have a relationship with the Father. 
then he wants us to experience heaven on earth and make everything that God has given me dominion over look like the kingdom. So I'm going to bring it here until you and I go there. John 14, 1 and 2 talks about how, what are we going to do? How, what are we going to trust? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. There is a dependence that we must have on the Father to do what he said he's going to do. So we're to pray his agenda first. Number four, depend on him for everything. Can you say everything? Give us this day our daily bread. The psalmist said in Psalm 121, 1 and 2, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That, that You ask God for the need that you have and you trust him for the answer. So, so when we get to the kingdom of heaven as, as that place in our eternal home, that, that he says already, what I've planned already is I've already planned, don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. Let me tell you, if you're in this room today and your heart is troubled, God says to you, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in me, he said. In my Father's house are many rooms. He says, I, I've got you covered. Yeah, there's no moat. This isn't Disney World thing. You know, I've got enough rooms for all of you and I'm going to take care of you. And let me tell you something. The angels in heaven right now are not preparing for battle. They are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The angels in heaven are not up in heaven freaking out. Oh, my goodness, there's wars. There's rumors of wars. There's all. No, 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 because why? Because his kingdom can never be taken. You and I pray to a kingdom that cannot ever ever, ever be shaken. You go around the world today, you look at our own country, God is shaking. He said, I will shake and I will shake that what remains. He said, but my kingdom is unshakable. That's an unshakable kingdom. So they're, they're saying, God, you are holy. God, you are awesome. God, you are holy. There is a home up there, a kingdom up there with enough rooms and enough space for all of his kids to be so well accommodated. God wants us to live upon this earth and establish his kingdom. Yeah, that's why we have homes here. That's why we have a church here, that this would be an embassy upon this earth that we can influence and touch people. And as you go and I go, that we will establish his kingdom priorities that are first and foremost upon his heart and mind. Here is the difference in God's kingdom. A kingdom is the only entity on earth that takes territory. When the founding fathers came over here from England, what did they start doing? They started taking territories. Where did they learn that? From a kingdom. And that's what we're saying, you know, even though, you know, another, where, where they come from, it's like, oh, well, they drive on the left side of the road. We've chosen to live on, uh, drive on the right side of the road. I think it's a whole lot better if you've driven on the left side. It's kind of freaky, you know, but we drive on the right side, and so we feel it's the right way, right? It's true. God's kingdom takes territory. Only kingdoms can take territory. A kingdom mentality, when it is biblically based, can take territory. It's what we're called to do. It's not us saying, oh, wow, bar the door, you know, this is about us only. This is about advancing, because the Bible says the kingdom of God is advancing. Amen? It's advancing. That's a kingdom. It advances. And so he says, Jesus, 
I need you to go and I dispatch you to earth. You'll be born of a virgin. You'll go and you, I want those people to be right in right standing with me. So I, I'm going to need for you to die and then you will rise again. What they lost in the garden, they're going to get back. God has called us to make everywhere, everywhere we go look like heaven. Amen? That means in your home today, God wants that place to be a little suburb of heaven. That means young person, young adult, on your campus today and throughout this next week and for as long as you live, he wants that place where you put the sole of your foot to be a place where you bring the kingdom agenda down in your workplace, in your cubicle, that you are able to bring the kingdom agenda down, that everybody else around you in your cubicle could be freaking out. But when somebody takes a step into your cubicle, peace. Why? Because it's a kingdom agenda. We've allowed other things to influence what God wants to establish in our lives and upon this earth. And we forgot many times because we're out there playing defense all the time. We, oh, I got defense. See, the enemy has got us do. We're not playing that. The, the, the angels in heaven are not planning for war because God's kingdom cannot be taken. God's kingdom takes territory. So whatever it is, if your home is so much like hell, you don't have a kingdom expansion mentality. Number five. Get your heart right with God and people. This is what he's saying. He said, hey, listen, I want you to have a right heart with me and with other people. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And this is so huge because 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Ask God today to check your motive, to check your heart. And receive his forgiveness for any area that he brings to mind. Forgive anyone who has offended you. You know, you can forgive people in advance. Did you know that? You can forgive people in advance. And there are many Christians walking around hurt and offended. And I want to give this to you today, body of Christ. Because there's people in this room that are hurt and offended for whatever reason. And God cannot answer our prayers. He says that he can't. Unless we are healed and we ask for forgiveness or we go to that person and ask them for forgiveness, so many are carrying hurt, pain, bitterness of whatever it may be, and it's killing you. It's killing you. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. He said, I want you to establish that in your life, in your prayers, to be in a constant state of forgiveness and forgiving others and loving others. And then number six, engage in spiritual warfare. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We know Ephesians 6 verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, if you can look at a person and say, they are my enemy, you are fighting the wrong battle. 
because our struggle is not there. That is not the good fight of faith. Take your stand against the enemy and fight the good fight of faith. And every lie that the enemy has told you, you should replace it with the truth of God's word. How many of you are with me today? That if all you do is just pull the lie out and you don't backfill it with the word of the Lord, you are going to keep believing the lie because it's there and it's open in your life. But if there has been a lie told, spoken over you by the enemy, by someone else, what you do is you come to that and you backfill it with the word of the Lord, with words of hope, with words of encouragement on what God has spoken over your life already. You have to backfill that lie with the word of the Lord so that you will live in hope and encouragement. Amen? That's right. You know, see, inside of this, we see a, a consuming mentality is like, oh, I'm just going to add another room that I'm intoxicated with me and I'm the king and we're intoxicated with our own worship and we're the head of our own food chain and look at me. We are not the king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and we are just stewarding what he has placed under us. Amen? We're stewards. There's a kingdom mentality or a consuming mentality. Both of those are in opposition with each other. But, but we realize God has placed us on this earth. And the context is, is I want to establish my kingdom wherever you are at. So I may have not met you personally. You may, I may not have met you personally. You may be streaming online right now. You may be across the world. You may be here today. And maybe I've never even met you or, or we've never, we don't even know each other's names or whatever. But let me tell you something. We are family. The moment you become a believer in Christ, you are automatically my brother and sister in Christ. We are family. I don't care what you put on your taco. I don't care whatever it is and what you put on your burger, if you like a fried egg or not. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me because once you stepped over the line, you're a brother or sister in Christ. Amen? So we got to get down with that mentality that we're together on this thing. Right? Once I know you're a believer, we're family. That doesn't mean I treat a non-believer any differently. I love them as well. But now you are in the family of God. And so we're, we, we've got to get this one right, church. Let me tell you something. I don't care what the world says today. We are in the kingdom of God. And we live under a different dynamic. Yes, we are all going to be in one house one day when we all go to heaven. We might as well start getting along right now for the kingdom of God's sake. Amen? Oh, I know you got an opinion. So do I. But I still love you and I can still talk to you. What? Yeah. I can still love you. Even though you got a different opinion, even though your opinion's wrong, I mean, I can still love you. I mean, you know. See, the kingdom gives us an opportunity to love every aspect of God's connection. Every aspect. Every aspect. It's amazing, you know, it's as you, as you look at Scripture how, over and over, and there's so much here I can't go into. But listen, kingdoms make you them. Castles make them you. People should follow you to get to Christ. You and I are just a tour guide to get them to the, king, to the kingdom. You and I are just tour guides. 
I am not a king of my domain. I'm just a steward. God, I'm just trying to help other people find you. And that's what the kingdom agenda is all about. I'm here to reach the lost, and I'm here to build up believers, and I'm here to impact society. And if we can start getting some of these things right, we will start seeing replication, and we will start seeing multiplication, and we will start seeing God do great and mighty things because we're putting his kingdom agenda above our own agenda. We are just tour guides. We're tour guides that we're leading people to Jesus and the hope that is there. Let me tell you something today. If you're on the verge of quitting, let me tell you something. You haven't understood where you are a permanent resident and citizen too. You're just in a temporary location. You have to understand in the kingdom. You have to understand in the kingdom things are permanent, that things are real, that things are powerful. And God has an agenda that he wants you to go after. And many times we build these castles and the consuming mentality. Is everything pointing to you? Is everything pointing to your success? Is everything pointing to your, uh, your, your worship, your ideologies? If that's the case, you've built your own kingdom and it will crumble soon. It doesn't matter who we are. No, no, I'm, I'm only going to let certain people in. I'm going to put the drawbridge down. I'm going to put it back up. The rest of you, you just keep out because I'm on my assignment. And, you know, I don't care about you. I'm going to wall myself off to a lost and dying world and all of that. And let me tell you something. Those things and the consuming mentality is one of the beginning steps to something atrophying and dying. But if you don't dress like me and you don't wash your hands like me, if you don't say exactly what I say and you're going to do exactly like I do, you know, man, you're on the outside. I've got a message coming in a few weeks on that. I can't do that. So who does Jesus make the kingdom of? He made the kingdom in the New Testament of those that were poor, lame, and spiritually destitute. The kingdom agenda got flipped. Things as they knew it were no longer the same. He flipped the agenda. He moved it over. Those that are poor and lame and spiritually destitute, no, not that they stayed there, but they found Jesus and he flipped it on them and said, hey, you are now my ambassadors in a lost and dying world. People, people need me and I'm sending you out. Number seven, express faith in God's ability. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. That's Jeremiah 32, verse 17. End your prayer time by reminding yourself of God's ability. Return to praise and make your faith declaration. Man, yeah, it starts with God. It stays with God. It's about the kingdom. But end your time in prayer with returning to praising a God who says, nothing is too hard for me. Just ask it. Just, just ask it. It's alignment with my word. Just ask it that yours is the kingdom. All rule belongs to you. Yours is the power. All mightiness flows from you. Yours is the glory. Your victory is complete in the Lord Jesus Christ today. It's so amazing as we look at this through God's word. That is the kingdom that you and I have been called to live for. And what's amazing is we talk about prayer, we understand it's a two-way street. It's not just one way, us to God and God to us. It's two-way. He's speaking, we're listening, vice versa, and all of those things. But, but many times people look at prayer as something so mystical, like it's something unusual and extraordinary that God talks to people. God talks to people through his word, through the work of the spirit, through different people, through situations, through circumstances. But the fact is that God does it all the time. 
a number of years ago, there was a Time magazine that came out with a headline that said, God is dead. God is dead. The next day, the reporters lined up at the home of Dr. Billy Graham, who just was buried this last week, the week before passed into eternity. He was one of the greats. And they went to his house and they said, uh, Dr. Graham, is God dead, Dr. Graham? He said, are you kidding me? I just spoke with him this morning. You know, a week and a half ago, he was on this earth praying to God. And in that moment when he shut his eyes, he spoke to the king of kings in person. He saw him face to face. The word of the Lord says that God has wired us up in a way that he's given us the ability to tune in and to hear him, to listen, to talk back to him. It's nothing unusual at all. All of us can do it. What's the problem in your life? Let me tell you, if, if you are here today and your life is falling apart, you have not fully attached yourself to the unshakable kingdom of God. Now, let me just be honest with you. I understand we go through difficulties. There's shaky moments. But let me tell you something. If you, you are living in that moment today where you think all hope is lost and your life is falling apart, let me tell you what the word of the Lord says. He says you are praying to an unshakable kingdom. His kingdom cannot be shaken. And if we're a believer, we are his children. And we are praying to a kingdom that shall never end. And he's got us covered. And he's got a home for us. And if you've never accepted Christ, you can do it right now. If you've never accepted Christ, you're not headed for that home. You're headed for hell. The word of the Lord is clear to all of us. But if you accept him, he says, listen, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Heaven is your eternal home if you will accept Jesus as the gift of eternal life. Amen? I want us to pray this prayer together before we close in prayer. Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13, would you say this? Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, I thank you for the promise of your word today, that, Lord, you are a relational God, and that, Lord, you are our Abba Father that we cry and call out to today, that, Lord, we can take every concern of our heart, but that we would lift your agenda up first. Father, I pray your blessing on your people. In Jesus' name, amen.